everybody to the Sum It Up podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, and games, and other entertainment-related news. My name is John, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Chris. Chris, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just soaking it all in, John. A lot of stuff happened this week, and I'm just, I'm a mixture of depressed, a mixture of ex- excited, a mixture of just many different feelings. And, you know, we're going to sort through that all today like a therapy session on a couch. I'm ex- very, very intrigued. Exactly. I will be your therapist. I will guide you through this journey. Uh, so we'll, we, like you said, we, there are so many things that happen, so many things going on in the world right now. I didn't want to just focus on one or two things. So we have six topics lined up for you. We're going to breeze through them at a leisurely pace, just kind of get our general thoughts. Uh, and we're going to kind of see where this goes. Just going to hit the headlights here or headlines here. So <laughs> hit the headlights. It's going to be, yeah, like Hey, in the accident. South, it's hit the head in the South. It is hit the headlights. You know, deer are very bad. Oh my gosh, yeah, they're everywhere. They are right. everywhere. So, right off the bat, we are going to talk about a rumor, and that uh, Scarlett Johansson is reportedly going to return as Black Widow. And just right off the bat, I wanted to get your thoughts on if this is true, if this is actually going to be... Thing, because we know that Yelena Belova, yeah, I think that's how you say it, is going to return as some kind of black widow in the future for the mcu that's already been confirmed so there will be a black widow but this is saying that um natasha romanoff is going to become uh, going to be coming back in some capacity so do you think that this in any way like cheapens her death from endgame spoiler alert or uh is there some kind of way that they can do this in a practical and realistic way uh no i think they could do it in a practical and realistic way uh, because they're saying incapacity it's not like she's going to be the focal point of a movie she's not going to be around you know tony stark telling him about oh you have a i you know i i'm from legal or whatever i just moved up from hr you know go ahead and sign these documents oh hello pepper and then you know bust out into a, a slick bodysuit and start n- what is it mopping dudes off the floor and you know happy is behind her going like i got one and then she's you know beat up a bunch of dudes so i think it's not going to be anything like that but we're probably going to get like cutscene stuff and maybe she interacts kind of like how dr strain has a brief interaction with thor and thor ragnarok that's on the theaters that we even get a snippet of in uh in the at the end of dr strange's movie so you know, I totally believe we can get a timeline, a timeline version of her very small into the capacity. So I believe it, you know. So do you think that they're going to focus mainly on flashbacks that include her uh, to kind of give more context to other scenes from the past? Or because my thought is that they're potentially going to take like some kind of alternate multiverse version of uh, Natasha and bring her over and maybe have some kind of cameo like with that. Now, that's something I can get behind later on. Maybe something that has to do with Galactus farther, farther in this saga uh, as we go there. But I also don't, I'm, I'm not going to bow out the idea that we might be able to see her in the, uh, what is it, the Eternals? They, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not going to rule that out in that movie because that movie is probably going to be very huge in scale because the Eternals are supposed to be rather huge in scale in their power. So I'm... Uh, I would not be surprised with anything along there, but I, I do, I do find it very interesting how they're going to keep on bringing characters back, like little pockets here and there of, 
of of people from the first saga of the MCU. I I just don't I I'm not surprised and I get it. You know, it, it's a nice vehicle of things. Now, if they're going to bring like Robert Downey Jr., you know, unfortunately, I think that's a bigger story. It's nothing to take away from Scarlett Johansson. She's a great she's a great actor, great actress. But, you know, the the story here is that, you know, Tony Stark is the forefront of that universe. And if you're going to bring Robert Downey Jr. just for a small cameo, that's a lot bigger than this, uh, because that is that's a huge move. This is something that I look at believable like, you know, oh, you know, is it going to shake up the entire saga down the line? No, but it's nice news to have that she's going to be there. Yeah. And and, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has already confirmed and at least he's made some kind of PR statement saying that he's done with the MCU. And I don't know if that's maybe just to throw the scent off fans or if it's like an actual legitimate statement of his um, that he's sticking with long term. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the other way I could see it, um, bring her back is potentially with the Hawkeye series that they're doing on Disney plus, um, mm. cause I'm sure they'll do some kind of flashback in that. And it might be good even just to have a scene with, with that connection between Clint and Natasha again. I mean, they had a lot of, um, very, very close chemistry <sighs> from the series. And I, I think if we are going to match up any kind of pairing to bring her back as a cameo i could more than likely see it on that series um if they're gonna do uh uh like the version of natasha that we've seen so far but if not i think it's gonna be a multiverse cameo uh i don't know i don't i don't think we the multiverse cameo i think comes much later if they're gonna do it i don't think we're gonna see it within like the first five movies that they've got laid out i think that's ve- if this rumor is for something that's very far in the future i'm kind of surprised that it leaked because i imagine this is like in the in kevin feige's brain that or in somewhere in his desk drawer of papers that no one has access to because he's got with like a simple like lockbox whatever to get to it so <laughs> as far as that's concerned i just i think the multiverse scarjo experience is something way further down the line uh so that but that's just my thought i could be totally wrong i just don't think i don't think they put her in a hawkeye series uh because if they're gonna use jeremy renner damage control for disney and they definitely are in damage control disney for some news that we might hit later on uh also it's jeremy renner and he is a a damage control yes before before we touched on that subject but if she's gonna interact with uh hawkeye's daughter it she she should be dead at the moment unless we're doing a flashback really far flashback before she's even hawkeye so yeah i, well, I, I don't know i, I, I so that's kate, that go ahead kate bishop isn't hawkeye's daughter in the comics um uh. kate bishop the person who takes over the mantle of hawkeye is basically like a street ruffian who was getting into some trouble and um saw hawkeye in action and he eventually became a mentor to her and took her on. So that little moment that they had in Endgame where he like centers his daughter and teaches her how to shoot a bar- bow and arrow and calls her Hawkeye. And calls her Hawkeye, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's mostly just a nod at him because that's the first time we've actually heard someone be called Hawkeye on screen. Um, and that's, that's less about setting up who is going to be Kate Bishop in that Hawkeye series on Disney+. Plus. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I'm not as knowledgeable about the 
comic book cinematics and all of that. So I, I will I will defer to you uh, for that. But I just I don't know what it would be like to see her and a different version of Hawkeye meet up or anything like that. I don't think they should go that route. But you know I'm not the one who comes out with bangers after after banger on the box office. So yeah, we'll we'll take it for them at their face value. I just don't find it very likely. That's fair. That's fair. But speaking of bangers. All right. We got to talk about that Dune trailer. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is the thing I was most excited to talk about. This is what's got me on my high. This is what's taking me out of depression, everyone. (laughs) So I look, I got to be honest here. I don't know anything about Dune. I know that it's a cult classic from way back when. um, Mm -hmm. And that the movie then and the, the book, I think, were very limited by the technology of their time. And uh, over the years, people have been asking for this and asking for this. And um, now we finally have our first look of what it actually is going to be like. My my initial thought was it looks beautiful. It looks like an incredible movie. Um, just story-wise, uh, I love fantasy movies in general, so I'm, I'm on board for this. And I it's kind of refreshing. I don't know how it is for you, but it's kind of refreshing for me to walk into um, a trailer or a movie even and not really know anything and be and just kind of a blank slate um, with a for me at least a very unknown property mm-hmm. yeah uh, i feel the same way when the trailer came out i watched a few like react videos of people that i follow and in those react videos it's not like your standard one but it's just it's well produced it's it's not like two couples watching i swear um (laughs) those are popular videos but uh when i you know listen to other people talk about dune they mentioned a few things that i wasn't aware of because i've heard from the grapevine that this is this is the science fiction epic like this is what this is what star wars should be for some reason i and i and i have to contextualize that for you john but like think about star wars fans and star trek fans and you talk about star wars being kind of like this giant opera and star trek being like this idea of the future and how people should treat each other and and equality when you look at dune this is supposed to be Game of Thrones in space. And in fact, this is a Dune helped inspire George R.R. R. Martin to write the style in which he did Game of Thrones. And, you, and it, that's an insane fact. Wow. That's an insane factoid of this movie is supposed to this is supposed to be the Gilgamesh of our time or in other words, the Holy Bible of our times. This is what it is in space. So. I take that very seriously as someone who loves Star Wars and thinks of, thinks of it as the Americana like pop film that everyone should have seen. And yeah, the way people have set this up, I totally get it because this trailer was amazing. The filmmaker behind it made it look so good. The Jason Momoa, my man, energy is there, but they transform it into a character who in the 1981 is kind of more serious but i still believe it the cast of characters uh oscar isaac uh timothy chalamet zendaya what (laughs) uh and yeah you do have your you have dave batista in it and there's a bunch of other people who are in it that i'm just not much of a movie person to know who they are but i just know this cast like i saw like the oh here's the cast list before it went out in the trailer real real quick and i was like 
oh my gosh like it's that cast list you see uh for an end of the year film that was kind of like oh everyone's getting to get together it's new year's eve and it's like oh why is jennifer aniston in a movie with like seth rogan like what is this you know it's like it's like that that classic uh holiday film but this is on a whole nother scale so i've i've had a little bit of the world told to me and it's something i'm definitely getting on board on so uh john what is this movie do for you in that regard for someone who doesn't have as much of a, a knowledge base because i'm also basic but i've had some things explained to me in the videos that i've watched in the past 48 hours i mean it's like i said it's just refreshing it it's it's a weird feeling to have a movie made about a property that isn't already in like the cultural zeitgeist and at least for the general public and yeah that's the big thing the general public is, yeah yeah and it has like a very solid a group of fans that have stayed with it for decades um and so there's obviously a very strong following out there but it it feels good to not or to be ignorant in this case and to just go in and to take it in for what it is um and not have any kind of like preconceived notions about um who these characters are supposed to be the portrayals of it the world around uh around these people uh it it's, it's I don't know it's just such a different feeling from what I'm used to with every other film out there because it seems like the majority of the like big box office films the high budget films are either like superhero properties or mm-hmm. um, just like you said like a bunch of famous people slammed together in a in a movie like Jumanji um, where you have <laughs> all of the star power that brings the audience in and then it's surprisingly like a very touching movie Um one thing I did yeah. see is that in, a, in an interview, Timothy Chalamet mentioned that he has only filmed two scenes in front of a green screen. Oh, yeah, I've heard. I saw that fact. and I was like, wow. So the, <laughs> the lengths that they've gone to to have realistic environments and to be there and have it be tangible um, and and still this epic space opera, like you said, like like what inspired Star Wars um to no, ha- not star wars um game of thrones game of thrones yeah, yeah yeah so what inspired game of thrones um so to have that whole just the grandness of that idea be here and be able to be filmed and locations on earth means that they're putting a lot of uh time and effort into this to make it look good and not look like just some big cgi mess um and i mean obviously that makes the actors uh uh, performance is better because they can actually see the world around them they can interact with it um there's it's limiting on what they actually have to imagine and fake to a degree it's a lot more authentic performances i think so that makes me excited oh yeah i i, I do want to bring up the fact that you know i know we're breezing through this but i find it very interesting that the people who are fans of dune the people who know about dune read this read the book that the excitement was off the charts, not necessarily for, you know, the way it was put together on a screen and they've seen it there. I, I know they're amazed with that, but people were talking about the sandworm mm-hmm. and like the fans were talking about like, oh, my gosh, we got to see the worm, which for someone who doesn't know how big of a deal it is. I've, I've, I've heard some things about why it, I've heard some things about wh- why you saw the worm, like approach them. I I know what attracts them. Anyways, I'm not gonna spoil that. But the the amount of 
the amount of galore, the amount of awe because of seeing a worm on screen just tells you the amount of detail that is in this story uh, given to this planet and these worms. It's 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 pretty remarkable. It's like if Star Wars, and I have to compare it to Star Wars because it's the only huge sci-fi thing that I really am knowledgeable about. Uh, I'm not knowledgeable about Star Trek, not nearly in that capacity. It's, it's, it's almost like if we were to get that discovery of Chewbacca, not like in Solo, but of like this planet of this planet of giant like dog looking people with amazing strength that could live for 300 years and they're told to you in such insane detail that you finally get to see it on screen actually no i have a better example lord of the rings when people when that fan base was finally able to see that on the big screen when they were finally able to see the balrog that wasn't in an artist's illustration they saw it on screen that's the type of love and detail that we're talking about when we're going towards Dune. And it, it, it's gotten me very much hyped because Disney is not going to hype me about Star Wars unless they come out with how, uh, how they lied to us. But that's another discussion. You know, well, what, do, what are you seeing from, from the fan love for this film? I mean, it's been nothing but positive. Even the people that don't, like me, that don't know anything about it are just yeah. in awe of the trailer and the, the fight choreography, the visual effects, um, the characters in it. The, like I said, like I keep saying, like the tangibility of it all and how real it feels like it it's just even from just the trailer, the first trailer that we get um, it. That's a good, good point. This is the <laughs> this is the first look we've gotten. Exactly. It. And it, it does such a good job of world building and introducing you to the concept of something that so many of us are unfamiliar with that it if, if that can get us excited about something that I don't know anything about in such a foreign world and foreign concept for me, then that trailer was cut beautifully. It was shot beautifully. The cinematography mm -hmm. was great. Um, yeah. The one thing I'm a little worried about is that it's scheduled to come out in December of this year. And Oof. with something that we'll talk about here in a second, um, I, I worry about any movie coming out in the next, I, I would say even like six months. Um, and just the, the lack of accessibility it'll have because certain theaters won't be able to play big budget movies um, with the sustainability because they won't make enough money to keep it in theaters for long. So I hope that this film gets the due that it's, it is meant to be given um, and is able to be seen by enough people and doesn't just fall to the wayside because of the virus. Yeah, I I'm glad you touched on that because I feel very much the same I, because I've heard people who know about Dune who are also in the film industry are concerned about nobody going to see this film because this is going to be in the way that they would describe it. Probably a very groundbreaking film because you have one of the best film directors in is it how do you pronounce his name? Villanove? 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 Villeneuve, yeah, sorry. I just, I'm not very good with the French. So, yeah, Villeneuve. So, the movies that he's done, like, uh, what is it, uh, 2049, the Blade Runner. Yeah. And how it was a fantastic movie, and no one went to go see it, and it won Oscars, sure. But we're in a similar situation that this might not get the attention it so desperately deserves. And that is what... I worry too, I, just from seeing what people have said. Yeah, absolutely. And and so we've already had another example of films getting delayed because of the virus in Wonder Woman 1984. 
Segway is being delayed again until Christmas. Until a week, I want to say it's before Dune or a week after Dune. Oh no. Um, so these movies are going to actually be competing with each other and and this may not even be the final delay that we have for them. It's just what they're hoping for right now, what they're predicting. Um but so Wonder Woman 1984 has been officially delayed until Christmas. This is probably the third or fourth time it's been delayed. And I I don't know, man, like it I mean, I'm glad that they're being cautious and I'm glad that they're doing it the right way and um I think that they've learned a lot from Tenet and that release. And we'll talk about the numbers here later, but the fact that that did not do nearly what it should have done on opening um, or what any kind of other Christopher Nolan film has done in the past. Um, and it's just because of the cir- circumstances. But um, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. Like, what do, you, what do you think about it being delayed again? So, yeah, you brought up the point that I was going to hit on for that. So it it definitely is WB who released Tenet looking at what's going to happen to Wonder Woman. They're like, oh, no, no, we can't have this happen, which I think that a little bit of that is Christopher Nolan's fault for saying we've got to put it out in the theaters, everyone. It needs to be seen in a theater. And I also see people being like not going out to a theater because yes COVID is still a thing you know I'm more willing to go out to a restaurant than I am to go to a movie theater I'm sorry that's just the hard fact and I think a lot of people are in that as well but the also Nolan's movies uh from what people say it's very hard to listen to the way since he the way he mixes his, his movies is that dialogue is very hard to hear so if you're going to go see it in a movie, you might miss something. I might as well just watch it at home, you yeah. know, put it out on a streaming service or put it out like a rental. Like, I don't I, I have no idea why he's so uh, stubborn on this front, but he is. And I think that's hurting it. And I think WB is also saying, like, we got to release Wonder Woman in a theater because Christopher Nolan is our most well-liked, well-known director in any capacity doesn't matter if it's if it's dc films doesn't matter if it's if it's just film director we gotta listen to this guy and this is one one place where i wouldn't necessarily listen to the director and just release something out now if they're delaying it because of they want a better release number then that that's where my thing is just like oh you know i'm gonna go see it but i i mean you're going to hit the inevitable. You might as well go with the flow and release it on a streaming platform. If they're delaying it because it has issues and they need more time to work on it, that is, that's a very video game studio move where they need more time to work on something. And that would have me very concerned. I hope it's not because people said like, Oh, the CGI and cheetah is terrible. Uh, because if that's the reason why they are delaying just to do a few more touch-ups, I'm just like, why? You know, well, I hope it's not that. What do you think, John? What do you think? It why, why is it being delayed? Well, that's the thing. Like they, when Patty Jenkins first delayed it, uh, because they thought they needed more time to finish the effects and the story and everything. Um, by the time it would have come out initially, Patty Jenkins had said, "Oh, it was it was actually ready by then. Like we could have released it and it would have been fine." Um, so they they have come out and said like that first initial delay uh, really didn't need to have happened. Um, okay, so this isn't CGI. It's literally scheduling. Correct. Yeah, and, okay. and so Warner Brothers has also come out and said that reportedly the delay is not because of how Tenet did. 
but I think we all can kind of read between the lines. They don't want to say, well, one of our biggest, hopefully performing movies did horribly. And, um, and, and so we're going to delay this in hopes that this can kind of make up for that loss. Because, I mean, they're every, every movie that they release in theaters that does as poorly financially as Tenet did or is doing currently is is a huge loss on their investment because this is hundreds of millions of dollars that they've poured into the film into marketing into the actors into everything and it's coming back for hardly any return whatsoever um so yeah i mean Mm. it it would make sense that at a certain point if things don't get significantly better put it out on a streaming service get some kind of better return for your investment that you're getting um now that you actually have facts and figures to go off of yeah um but I mean, at least try yeah exactly exactly because and then at a certain point um it's gonna throw off their entire schedule like it did for marvel um so if they're if they're trying to interweave movies in the future of the dc universe um it's just going to be a domino effect and the more you delay the worse it's going to get and the farther back you have to push your timeline the sooner you, or the later you have to release these films um it's just one thing after another and just snowballs into into something huge um so i don't know i mean i i wish that they would come up with some better answer than we're gonna delay it we're gonna wait we're gonna wait this out Um, no don't do that like come on if someone's willing to spend ten dollars on a grubhub order when they could just go in their car and go and grab it put this out for ten for twenty dollars on a stream on a streaming platform come on like this is a no-brainer, and I just I'm fascinated about the stubbornness to release this in a theater. You know, it's that Christopher Nolan ideology, and this is a time where I think he's wrong and he's pushing back against the future. And we've had this discussion about what we could do to save the movie theater industry, but you know, with the way things are going, you know, you've gotta you gotta give a little a little bit back. You've gotta go somewhat with the current exactly and warner brothers is i think one of the few major studios that is being really stubborn in their releases sony on the other hand has come out and said that they're not releasing any big budget movie at all during the pandemic Hmm. um so they i think that because this this report came out after tenet's numbers started coming out and they they saw like there are hard facts that say people do not want to go to theaters right now Um, that they are much more willing to stay in-house, watch something on streaming, and be safe in the comfort of your own home, even if the director is pushing, and even if the film is is truly better in theaters, that's not what consumers care about right now. They care about their well-being and the well-being of their families that they would take to the theaters. Um, So I'm happy that they're just coming out and saying, this is our stance, we're going to stay away from that. We're not going to release any big budget movies during the pandemic at all. The one thing it has me concerned about is if they're saying that now, um, how is that going to affect, like, say, Spider-Man's uh, production schedule? Is that going to push that further back to affect any Marvel stuff? And how is because it's just it's all of these gears turning together and it all how it all fits together. Um, one one studio making a decision is now affecting multiple studios. And, and so I'm, I'm curious to see how everything's going to, how, how it all will land. Um, once we start getting to a more stable place medically. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that the movie industry hasn't come together and try and figure this out in a big brain style. Instead, they're just kind of like trying to figure out themselves. And I don't think it's very helpful. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know if I've talked, I you know, everything blends together in in this time of pandemic. You know, I could go outside my house, go to the grocery store, all this other stuff. But forget if I, we've talked about this on air. Um, I was going to go see Tenet in a drive in and I told my parents this and, you know, my parents were late, late bloomers when it came to having kids. So they're a little bit on the older side and they were talking to me about drive-ins and they were saying that, oh, no, don't go watch it at a drive-in. And I was like, what? So they told me like all the bad things about going to a drive-in because my parents are very much homebodies. So they will watch things at home in the comfort of like a Bose surround sound and all of that great jazz. And they're just talking about like, oh, well, if you're in your car, this happens. Or if someone has their light on behind you. Also, like we're in Florida and it's hot even past 8 p.m. Even though I live near one of the largest uh, drive-ins in the United States, they were just like, don't do it. And they gave me the list of reasons. And I was like, huh. Yeah, I'm not going to go see it. So I haven't seen Tenet yet. So I, I know I talked up a big game like we go see it. Absolutely. And I have it now. And after hearing people talk about it, like I can't understand Tenet because I, I, I because of the way he mixes his movies now. And these are people who saw it in a theater. Yeah, I'm not going to go see it at a, at a drive in. I'm sorry. So that idea is out the door. I'd rather just go on a streaming service. I think that's totally fair. Like you said, like there are so many different factors that that even an experience in a theater are nothing like a drive-in. Like you said, like the headlights, there's so many more sounds around you. Um, Are you going to keep your are you going to keep your car on the whole time for the AC? It's not good for the car. And I didn't think about that. I was like, huh? Like, so what are you going to sit there with the AC down and the windows down with all the mosquitoes? No, you're going to leave the windows up. You're going to roast. And I was like. Yeah, this sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you have to sit there for two, two and a half hours and just just wallow in your own sweat. Like, no, I want to I want to sit. It's summer. I want to sit in my AC house. And even if I don't have a surround sound uh, like I would love to have, um, I it would be so much it, it would just be so much more convenient and easier to watch a movie on it on like, your own TV. Um, yeah you don't have to worry about anybody else making noise around you you don't have to worry about cars getting in the way of anything because uh, what if you're like in a tiny little i don't know honda civic or a honda fit and you have a giant f-350 parked in front of you and it starts obscuring your view at all um there's just so many things that you can't account for excuse me at a drive-in that i don't think make it a viable option for a big blockbuster big budget movie like tenet yeah, that that is definitely a downer. That at least it, it's discouraged me, and now I I very much fall in your camp of just release it online. Come on, yeah, come on. And it's gonna be interesting to see what Sony does specifically because like Warner Brothers has HBO Max, um, Disney obviously has Disney Plus, and you have all of these giant studios with their own streaming service, but Sony doesn't really have that. So I wonder what they're going to do long term. Like, are they going to make a partnership with um, with Amazon? Are they going to make it with Netflix? Um, how are they going to navigate this? It seems like they're thinking ahead more than some of the other studios. Uh, maybe not as much as Disney, but they're they're ahead of the curve uh, in a lot of cases. Well, I, I don't know about them comparing themselves to Disney because I highly doubt they have a movie that's going to do uh, the numbers that 
Mulan did. Well, Segway. <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that we have we have the move the numbers from Tenet, which were that they made ten million dollars in its opening weekend for a Christopher Nolan big budget movie, mm-hmm. and Mulan made thirty three and a half million on Disney Plus. That's three, obviously three times as much as a as a theater theatrical experience. Sorry, as a theatrical experience. So what that tells us to the general public is that regardless of how much higher and how much money they made exactly, it still makes more financial sense in this case for a movie to be released on streaming for an additional fee than for people to bank on it making money in theaters. Yeah, and I'm sure like an investor call is going to dissect all of this, but I think these numbers that we're receiving are very much skewed. I don't believe in the brand power of Mulan right now because, yes, people are going to review it. You know, your YouTubers go to review it. Your columnists who have to review it for the newspaper that gets delivered. I don't know why you still get newspapers. I don't know who's doing this. But not to say anything bad against newspapers, just, you know, it's not something very common. Uh, people on online blogs, people who write online for a news, uh, online newspaper, if you so will with me. Uh, Mulan, not that good. Just hands down, people are just like, it's not as good as the first one. Um, this isn't an Aladdin type where it's like, okay, you know, I see where you're going. I think the people are talking about Disney feared that, you know, because there's no Mushu, because they don't think they can re- can re- recreate the energy of eddie murphy when eddie murphy's not dead you could have just asked him to do it i don't understand that but anyways yep um <laughs> so uh people are talking about how the mulan character very much changed into a superpower mary sue kind of like ray which if you're getting flashbacks of that star wars thing and you're having ptsd maybe it's not a good thing to go see mulan but i think these numbers are very much inflated and i see a massive drop off because that's first week is the 33 million dollars that's the first week sales i do not think they're gonna get anywhere near the i don't think they're gonna make uh i don't think they're gonna be anywhere below 80 percent drop off i think i think i think that the drop off is gonna be 80 percent or more and that's what i'm thinking for for Mulan, for mulan and I think tenants numbers could have been better, but it's been, we've discussed this already in the past 20 minutes. What do you think, John? I, it really, like you said, like you, you bring up an excellent point that it'll just really depend on long term. Like if, if Disney doesn't make more than $500,000 on Mulan the second weekend, uh, which I don't think it's on track to do nearly that low, but, um, say it does drop off 80% and it only makes 50 million total but say tenant stays in theaters for two months and consistently makes 10 million every single weekend then eventually it would catch up so then they have Hmm. then they just have to weigh do they want a big lump sum right up front and get bigger numbers that way or do they want to make as much of a return on their investment as possible if they see that it's possible um, to make their money back at least a little bit Um, now with movies like this i mean they're not going to they're basically making back part of their marketing budget for this. It's not even anywhere near enough to pay for the movie itself. So these these studios are taking a huge loss that are releasing movies right now. Um, 
I, and I think that if we're going to stick with the streaming service um, method that's been set up with Mulan, that it's going to get tweaked, that I don't think that it's going to be another $30 the next time you want to see a movie. I think they're going to they're going to have to change it to become more accessible. And so maybe they drop it down to 20 and see how much more that gets or if it stays the same and they lose more money on it. I, th I think we're going to see a lot of um, trial and error over the next few big budget movies until the end of the year, until they finally get into a groove with it. Well, you bring up a fascinating point of, of well, you know, you, the drop. Oh, well, hold on. Let me let me rewind here. I've, I'm cranking it back, cranking it back. I'm not making it crank, but I'm cranking it. Tenet, it could. J John, please tell me that you believe the same thing I do. I believe that Tenet could do really, really well numbers wise if they release it online. You know, WB has that option and I think that I think the thing that's holding back Disney's Mulan from being better is the fact that it's a crap movie. You know, from yeah. everything that I've read about this, like I was the pe well, I was one of the people who were like I'm going to go watch this movie. I am going to pay for it. I've discussed we've discussed it on here. I'm like, "John, you know, let's let's split the let's split the money and go watch this movie." But after watching like, you know, seeing reviews of this movie, I was just like, "Oh no." They did another what was what was another Disney remake they did where they're just like why'd you have to remake this? What was it? Beauty and the Beast? Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Lion, Aladdin to Lion agree. King. Oh no well, Aladdin Aladdin is I think Aladdin's put in the category of it's better than the other live actions except for Jungle Book. I think everyone says that Jungle Book is the best live action they've done. Yes. Yeah, and I I very much as someone who loves the original Jungle Book so much as a child, that was my favorite Disney movie. It's not, it's not the, it's not your traditional Lion King. It's not your, your Hercules. It's not your Mulan even. And I love Mulan. Jungle Book was my jam. And I loved the live action. These other ones don't instill confidence. And I you know I discussed a little bit about Aladdin where I'm like, you know, it was enjoyable. It wasn't fantastic and stuff like that. And it's the, the best part is is will smith in that movie even and uh, just you could go back and forth all day we could talk about this but mulan is not a good movie the the way there is the synopsis the breakdown into it and i just i don't i believe tenet could do so much more I, like do you do you agree do you fall along those lines john yeah and and i think tenet also as far as its financial success has the benefit of of, I would say that fewer people have HBO Max than they do Disney Plus. Um, so if if they release Tenet on HBO, then I feel like more people would subscribe to the service, and um, HBO would make a bit more money just from new subscriptions, which then they could maintain from the new shows and and series that they're putting out. Um, so I I think that Tenet would be a huge draw for that service. Um, absolutely and i i think that mulan was a big gamble in the first place to be the first film released for a premium fee on a streaming service in everything like this and you're right like i i don't think that the quality of the film was enough to set a good precedent and leave a good pe taste in people's mouths for the concept of paying 30 dollars for a movie um to i mean to to own it granted but yeah um, yeah 
for them to still have to pay that much. Like And like I brought up this point in the past of if you're a single guy living in an apartment by yourself and you have Disney+, Plus, you don't want to pay $30 for a film that, that would essentially equal out to be like $10 or $20 for the same experience in a theater. Um, so I, I agree. I think Tenet would do much better on on HBO Max. I would be interested in getting the service for a little while if I knew that movie was going to be on there. Um, and, and HBO is already known for quality, so they have that assurance of if this movie is on that service, it's good. Um, yeah. So I it's definitely a weird precedent that's been set with on one hand, a great movie being released in a horrible method, and on the other <laughs> side, a not-so-great movie being released on what should have been a great trial run. We live in the end times, John. This is the darkest we live timeline. In the, this, <laughs> this is the end times. Like, when when we talk about great movie, terrible delivery, awful, uh, great delivery, awful movie, and it's just like, oh, no. Exactly. That's not <laughs> what I thought. And speaking of horrible movie segue potentially great delivery um we have been confirmed that fast and furious 9 is officially going to space oh, uh, no. michelle rodriguez has come out and said that um that that's what's what that's the direction they're going in for better or for worse they're going to space <laughs> and, like are they sl- you know in the in the trailer when they slingshot across that mountain yeah do we just not think that there's also a booster in the car that just then after they slingshot they just go up into the sky yep and they go into space yep physics and gravity mean nothing to fast and furious and so i i hate this so much let's (laughs) let's just be real dorky for a second like logistically do how how cinematic can they make a fast and furious film if they're like if elon musk because you know he's going to make a cameo in this now like you know he's going to be the one to put them up in space um hmm. how how can they get there how can they keep that interesting like how is this supposed to work in a series that is has at least kept one toe on the ground of realism oh this isn't supposed to be realistic if if you want fast and furious to be realistic it was never realistic in any iteration whether it was before uh fast five or whether it was at during fast five and afterwards which is when people refer to like the change in style for fast and furious you know the first four versus the back half uh it's never been realistic it's always been a super action hyper american action movie and going into space it's the next logical step but i don't know i don't know if the audience like we're so far in this like I don't, I don't know if this is what the audience is ready for. Are we ready to go to space yet? Have we built up to go to that point? Because I keep hearing about family and barbecues. I still have not seen family and barbecues in that way. It's just about going really, really fast. And if we're going so fast that we're going into space, I have a lot more questions than I do have the, okay, I believe you. Like Hobbs and Shaw... There was a lot of great things about that. The villain, Idris Elba's villain, the way he beat up on Hobbs and Shaw, which I don't remember if Hobbs is uh, The Rock or not. That's how much I remember about that movie. But I enjoyed myself. I'm I'm, I'm apprehensive of the idea of me enjoying this movie going to space. 
But I'm sure there are people out there who are like, oh my gosh, we're going to space. We're doing it. Yes. And then the roids take over and they just start hulking out. <laughs> I mean, I think we're going to see a monster themed uh, spaceship or a monster sponsored spaceship. Um, oh, like the energy drink? Yeah. I had to. Why not Red Bull? Maybe. Maybe Red Bull. Are you a mo- are you a monster fan or a Red Bull fan? I'm a little bit of both. It depends on the flavor. Um, mm, okay, okay, not a lot to go off there, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I think you're playing politics right now, uh, Mr. Senator, and uh, I don't appreciate it. Uh, okay, so orange Red Bull, and um, good, good choice. Uh, I agree with it? that the choice. Purple Haze Monster. Oh, yeah, it tastes like a. Sweet also, tart. I will say the coconut Red Bull is really good if you haven't had it i think that's the superior or the peach red bull which is really good too but back to less interesting things than that oh no i i just (laughs) i don't know what to do i don't know what to think and and if they're going to space if that is really the next escalation how how do they top that because are they doing more fast films after this or is this going to be the last one uh no because uh, Vin Diesel has come out and said that he's already thought of like, even though they've filmed and done fast nine, like he's already, he's already working on fast 10 and fast 10 could be like one or two part type of movie, kind of like your deathly hallows part one, part two. So I know, I know that Vin Diesel is taking the fast 10 probably more serious than fast nine. So yeah, I, I mean, that's something to consider, but you you talk about what could they do to go farther. It depends on what they do in space. If they go into orbit just to stay in orbit, that's one thing. But in Fast Ten, they could uh, they could one up it by going to an asteroid, trying to save the world, kind of like Armageddon, and oh have my uh, gosh. And they can have Aerosmith in the background. Don't wanna close my eyes. <laughs> It'll be great. Oh man, I'm I'm envisioning so does, many. Does that give you more faith? No. <laughs> No. Oh no. <laughs> that makes it sound so much worse. That sounds Wait, you okay. don't <laughs> This sounds like the like the B movie spin-off of Fast and Furious. <laughs> this doesn't even sound like a, a legit blockbuster movie anymore. What, you don't like Steven Tyler lips? No. I'm that's not the part I have a problem with, but the concept of um <laughs> street racers going to space to save the world is is not something I thought uh would be something that I don't that would ever be a part of this franchise. Uh, I could I could believe it, but it's it's the execution. Like if they turn the car into a spaceship, I'm not gonna like it. If they if the U.S. if they have the U.S. government factor, which they do have that factor in these movies, but very lightly. You just see very basics. Like you never get in on them too much. The only time we've seen like the U.S. government side of things in these fast and furious movies is when we get Hobbs in uh in fast five yeah and it's it's all centered around him it's not centered around the agency at all so that's we get very basic stuff if they lean heavily into the agency part and they're like you know we have to do the suicide squad squad approach where it's just like put people in space who are expendable i'll buy in but if they're gonna be like you know we're gonna, we've souped up your cars to go into space. You're going to be like, absolutely not. Please stop. But that's the problem. You're, you're talking about an Armageddon 
reboot that or remake then because it's the concept of we don't have time to teach our astronauts drilling we have to send the the uh the drillers up there to space they have to be the ones to go because it's less taxing to teach them how to be in space than it is to teach astronauts how to drill that's see i buy that that. i buy that i buy that though i i i absolutely buy that for this franchise and yes i am projecting right now but john don't take this away from me i'm not getting i'm not getting a wild wild west 2 (laughs) i'm going to project on this movie instead oh my god i will die on this hill (laughs) i i guess we'll see i guess we'll see if um if you're right like if maybe they just go up into orbit and technically they cross the barrier into what is technically space and maybe that's how they escalate it to to go into number 10 um but if this is like full-on like they're driving spaceships or spacecraft into like racing spacecraft in the atmosphere dodging satellites and debris i i will have completely lost faith in this in this franchise as a whole well if in fast nine they go to orbit and then and in fast 10 they do the finale armageddon style you know isn't it kind of a full circle thing and we can have like that moment kind of like in toy story 3 when they're about to be spoilers thrown into like the garbage pit and die and they all hold hands together like i want that in fast and furious 10 part 2 of dom looking at a uh uh what is it michelle rodriguez's character i forget her name yeah and it'd be like this isn't the barbecue i wanted but this is what we're getting like i just wanted to be like that and then they all die oh and gosh. and you just get and with the way technology is today i want to see like the explosion of the asteroid people cheering on planet earth and you know them having like the funeral and then here comes steven tyler being rolled out and is like in a wheelchair and he's like close my ass and it's or wait no steven teller isn't part of the band right now who's who's touring with acdc isn't it axel rose uh that sounds that sounds right yeah which would still be super like give me the axel rose like uh armageddon song give me that i'm bringing up all these possibilities and you just want to shut it down you know you ain't taking this away maybe this is i'm i'm trying i'm i'm better than that hollywood dc exec i'm trying maybe this is the hope that people need to hold on to in these trying times yes i i'm i'm uh i'm the spark that the spark that will light the earth (laughs) that will give life to the just i don't know fuck star wars (laughs) I'm not saying it because that's the thing that's making you depressed. I don't know if that's part of your stories, but the stuff that's come about out about Star Wars this week has just made me depressed. But anyways, we'll continue. Segway. Nope, that's it. We'll talk about it next time. That's all I oh, have. Oh, really? Is that all the stories? That's... Do we? No, there... aren't we missing one? Nope, that's it. You said that's it? That's all six. Are you... Wait a minute. No, 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 no. You're, you're trying to get away from nope. a story, aren't you? I went out of order because of segways, but that's all six. So wait, we've got we've got nine minutes to kill here. You want to talk about Star Wars? What's going on with Star Wars? All right, so I'll be informing you on this. So remember how last time we talked about um, John Boye said they had a plan for you know Daisy. They had a plan for uh, uh, I always I always Rose? screw up as Adam oh, Adam Driver. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know how they had he's like they had a plan for them. And I was like, I, I I buy that. Well, guess what? What? This this week, I can't buy it. 
because Daisy Ridley did a she did an interview with Josh Gad and which they were talking about, like, when did she know about her being a Palpatine? And she discussed how in the beginning, like in Force Awakens, they had played with the idea that she was going to be like uh, a Kenobi. And that's kind of poetic. A lot of people have said, like, oh, she's a Kenobi. You think about Kenobi couldn't save the first Skywalker, and then he trained the next one, and that one saved that Skywalker. And now we have another Skywalker that's fallen, and this time it's Kenobi that actually does it themselves. Like, how poetic. Or, it's a little convoluted, but whatever. Yeah. That's what John Campia said. But it actually turns out that, you know, they, they it wasn't immediately like, yeah, she's a Palpatine. Because then when we get to JJ is like, oh, she's no one. And then JJ's like, yes, she is no one. I'm going to play with this. I'm going to full steam ahead. And Daisy was like, yeah, and then she's no one. And we were like, great, this is what this is where we're going to go with. And then I guess when they were doing Rise of Skywalker, they pitched the idea of like Palpatine, your Palpatine granddaughter. How'd that sound? And uh, she was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then like she said two weeks later, they're like, oh, we still don't know. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. So when Kathleen Kennedy came out, I think it was on the blue carpet. I remember watching the premiere for Rise of Skywalker and you could see how like JJ is super nervous. And then like people like Rose Tico and like and uh, Finn were like, ah, go fuck yourselves. Star Wars sucks. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, low key. Um, <laughs> and Kathleen Kennedy, I think, said on that blue carpet is that like, oh, they asked, like, how long has the Emperor been in the in the plan? She's like, he's been in the plan the whole time. Bullshit. <laughs> so and the reason why I'm bringing this up is that uh, one of the most wholesome YouTube Star Wars people, uh, not on the toxic side, the fandom menace, not any of that, but someone who just loves Star Wars, someone who's always like, I didn't like the what they did in this movie, but I understand it. I get it. He put out a video that was actually trending. A Star Wars video from a fan was trending on the YouTube platform. Not in like the gaming space or the nerd space. Not like the actual trending uh, algorithm where it has these mega YouTube stars who are doing makeup on each other. So this was a big deal where people were looking at it. And he was depressed. He was upset. And he was talking about like this is what may might make me lose it with, with Disney that they had no plan the whole time and people have speculated but it's just like the amount of carelessness the amount of neglect that we get from daisy confirming it is insane mm -hmm. like and, and from from this point it's just the more we learn about what happened the it's the the more the more you just got to believe that disney just can't can't be trusted with this property and if we are to trust disney with this property they need to do something drastic because clearly in the hands of this person who who is a who is going to be a, a an oscar winner whatever it is whatever award that kathleen kennedy will win for producing amazing movies this is a serious blemish on her career and this is a serious blemish for disney disney's getting hit on all corners right now with the mulan controversy with it being filmed in Xinjiang, which i you know that one i can kind of give a pass because of when they filmed it and when the camps were set up and it was the same agency that did it there's a lot of different factors with that um so that even though it's a pr nightmare this is another pr nightmare and i just 
how are the fans supposed to react to this? What do you? We're losing faith week by week with news. John Boyega last week. I remember I, I told you I buy it. I buy the idea that it could have been racism. Now I don't buy it because it just seems that they didn't have a plan for anybody's character. So. <laughs> Uh, there could still be systematic. There's obviously racism in the idea that they get a hairstylist who doesn't know how to do John Boyega's hair. But as far as like the series, just not playing homage to any of the minority characters. No, you're just not doing it for any of the characters. And that's, that's a huge blunder either, either way. And I want you to get your thoughts on this, John, because I just kind of threw up all over you with detail. And I want, I want to get your initial feelings on this story i i think when people hear these stories they don't blame disney i think more people will blame kathleen kennedy and lucasfilm um because i i I don't think that they really see it as a disney film it's still a star wars film and that's still associated with with lucasfilm um so i i don't know man like it it doesn't surprise me at all and I, I'm pretty sure I, I had been feeling that way that it felt um, like like it wasn't just trying to be like a surprise of like, yeah, we had this plan all along and this is what the intention was. It always felt to me like it was it was a lack of consistency and direction and creative control and that they had one idea for the first film and they pivoted on the second film and that they tried to course correct too hard on the third film and there was no continuity of care between all three of the films um so that that does not surprise me at all that they they came up with a a new idea in the bottom of the ninth when they shouldn't have been making any new new plays at all and that's two sports metaphors i'm gonna leave it at that nice (laughs) nice i'm gonna clap it up for you clap for you that was great (laughs) i don't know man it it's like i said it's not surprising it's very disappointing nonetheless and i i hope that it makes them re-evaluate their star wars priorities for the future and i hope this is the final nail in kathleen kennedy's coffin and that she is out after this year which i 100 percent still believe that she will be um and that maybe this is what they need to take a step back from major star wars films and just take more of a more intimate approach where they take the smaller low stakes films like focusing on a mandalorian series like yeah what they did definitely just just spin-offs like that like don't don't let anything attached to the main skywalker sock anymore give us like 10 years i'm i'm asking for 10 full years where we just focus on the world building and playing around in the giant sandbox they have set out ahead of us i don't think you need to go back to any giant trilogies or franchise films with this anymore i i think we can get enough disney plus tv shows and i think we can get enough uh standalone star wars stories that it'll keep us fed for a while yeah Uh, i yeah i think you said you said it well you said it very precise in that way but uh, just to clarify some comments, because I know we have a lot of newer people listening to the podcast. Hey, stay safe, uh, because a lot of you are in California, and we wish you to stay safe. Um, you know, and watch out. We're 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 in support of what's going on there. It's really terrible with the fires. But uh, to put it in context, we are not very toxic masculinity. We don't believe in that stuff. Like we're not we're not here saying like get rid of Kathleen Kennedy because she is a woman. No. 
Like, it seems, for me, Bryce Dallas Howard seems fully confident as a as a director working on Mandalorian, and she seems more excited about working on Star Wars than Kathleen Kennedy. Yes. So I have no problem. I would rather, with what little I know about Bryce Dallas Howard, I would rather her in the role than Kathleen because she seems excited about the project. So I'm just trying to put that out there because we do have some new people listening. You know, we're just we're just tired of the lies. Well, yeah, that and I mean, they've got plenty of representation in, in Mandalorian. And uh, that was a phenomenal series, I thought. Um, that was Pedro Pascal, Latino actor. Yeah, well, we did it. It was just we did it. It was filmed with or filled with filmmakers who were passionate about the content and that all wanted to be a part of it from the very start and didn't just get hired for it and then do a job. Um, yeah. So I definitely, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think the Howard family can do pretty good work. Um, Ron Howard, I think if he had been given full control over solo would have been still a good film. Um, but I, I don't know, man, it's, it just puts the star Wars future of star Wars in, in a weird place. Yeah, it's not surprising, but it is shocking. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I tried to put it with a nice bow, and I guess I still fucked it up. <laughs> I'm so sorry, John. Uh, segue to the end. What you got for me, John? This is What's the, the end? end. This is this is the end. That was a good movie. I enjoyed that movie. Seth Rogen, yeah. Yeah, yes. Best, best introduction of a character, Danny McBride, ever in a movie? Question mark? Exclamation point. So exclamation point okay no question mark we're in on it okay cool well thanks everybody for sticking it out with us this time uh chris will be back in the driver's seat next week and we will we will talk to you guys then bye bye